God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. Amen. Good morning. Wonderful to see you all here this morning. Welcome to our annual service of All Saints Sunday, the Sunday in which we honor those extraordinary men and women who represent the best of who we are, prophets and sages and martyrs and fools who have led lives of what the church calls heroic virtue. I love that phrase, heroic virtue. We do this All Saints Sunday thing every year because we think this will inspire us to become saints ourselves. But if you're anything like me, this could all backfire, you know? Sometimes being in the presence of greatness just makes us feel kind of, you know, inadequate. When I was a kid, I got to see the greatest cellist in the world. His name is Rostropovich. And his performance was so powerful that I just about quit the cello altogether. (laughs) Why bother, I thought, you know? We might as well just admit it now, that compared to the Rostropovich-level saints, most of us are rank amateurs, earnestly sawing away at our spiritual instruments, you know, wincing at our high notes and squeaky tones. But that's okay, because for us, there's this other celebration called All Souls. All souls is when we honor not just the heroes of the faith, but all of us ordinary human beings whose greatest accomplishment may simply be that we were once in possession of a soul. Thank you. If All Saints is like celebrating the World Series champions of goodness, then All Souls is kind of like the participation trophy. (laughs) Everybody gets one. It's good. So the good news is that we're celebrating All Souls this evening at 5 o'clock with a magnificent Requiem Mass, complete with chamber orchestra and a full cathedral choir, which, come to think of it, might be kind of a little overcompensation. I don't know. But, turn page. At the All Souls Mass tonight, um, we will bring pictures of our loved ones who have died, and we're going to place them on an altar, and we're going to pray for the repose of their souls and the souls of all the departed. The All Souls celebration can be extremely moving because that's where we pour out our grief for our loved ones who have died. All of our loved ones, regardless of merit, and that's the point, I guess, Because whether they're good or bad or mediocre, whether they were Republicans or Democrats or Independents or successful or failed, they were our mothers and our fathers and brothers and sisters and friends and ancestors. And we loved them. And we miss them now that they're gone. So that's for tonight. But this morning, we honor the great ones, the heroes of the faith, the Rostropoviches of moral excellence and spiritual devotion and social justice. And this morning we're also baptizing some deeply loved members of our congregation who are um, so important to us. And we're going to call upon the cloud of witnesses, the company of saints surrounding us even now as we speak. We're going to call upon them to draw near to us this morning and bless these newest members of our household. One of them's drinking out of a bottle right now. 
They say that a lot of genuine saints are up close, not so easy to love. St. Francis smelled terrible. Mother Teresa was pushy. There was a 12th century saint named St. Drogo, was so unattractive, he spent 40 years in a windowless monastic cell just so he would not frighten the little children. Now he's the patron saint of ugly people. It's true, look it up. <laughs> Google's a wonderful thing. From a little bit of distance, the saints inspire our deepest devotion. But you know, sometimes up close, they're not so easy to love. In fact, they can be extremely annoying. There was a Buddhist saint named Miao Shan who was extremely annoying, especially to her father, who was a king in ancient China. Her father had arranged for her to marry a wealthy older man who was not very nice, and she refused, insisting that he send her to a convent instead. Her father punished her by giving her the most humiliating and difficult jobs he could find. Jobs, no doubt, involving latrines and sewers. But she didn't complain. And she still refused to marry this wealthy man. This really annoyed the father. So he finally, he sent her to the convent with instructions that she be assigned to the hospice, where her job would be to clean up all the bodily fluids and care for all the dying people. There, it is said, Miao Shan only became more loving, more giving, more gentle, more beautiful. The more people tried to destroy her spirit with cruelty and hard labor, the more joyful and loving she became. This enraged the king so much that he finally ordered her execution. As the executioner raised his axe to, to execute her, she turned and she looked at him with such compassion and forgiveness that his axe shattered in a thousand pieces. When she finally did, did die, they say, she went down to the worst parts of hell and started singing and flowers blossomed all around her, turning hell into paradise. So they kicked her out of hell. <laughs> That's how annoying she was. This is why saints so often end up becoming martyrs. They refuse to go along with the program. <clears throat> they point out to us our smallness, <clears throat> our meanness, our attachment to the ways of greed, hatred, and ignorance. There's something in us that's deeply threatened by them, as threatened as a segregationist is in the presence of Dr. King, as threatened as a temple priest is in the presence of Jesus. The annoyance they cause is the friction between the world as we define it and the world as God would have it. In that friction, in that heat, a new world is being born. And almost always in that collision, a saint is being punished. A mentor of mine once said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you strange. <laughs> he could just as well have said, annoying or weird, difficult, sometimes dangerous. 
There's a reason the world is not kind to saints, and that's that they are the birth pangs of love. When her life was in crisis a number of years ago, the author and social scientist Brene Brown went back to church for the first time as an adult. She says, I went to church for all the wrong reasons. I thought it would be like an epidural. It would take the pain away. But it wasn't. It was like a midwife who sat next to me and said, push, it's supposed to hurt a little bit. That's what the saints are there for. They're like midwives reminding us that it's supposed to hurt a little bit. Our suffering can have a purpose. And we have a choice, not between suffering and no suffering, that op option does not exist, but rather in terms of the kind of suffering we choose to take on. Will we choose the suffering that transforms us and transforms the world, or the suffering that reduces us? The kind that gives birth, or the kind that creates death? Like Brene Brown, a lot of us were raised on the notion that God is there to help us to avoid suffering. I certainly did. I grew up thinking suffering was more or less optional and that a successful life was the one that got me as far away from suffering as possible. But the saints are here to remind us that that is a beautiful, empty delusion. A cold and broken hallelujah, to quote Leonard Cohen. Brene Brown says that that's why she's a follower of Jesus. In an interview she gave a few years ago, she said, I believe God is love, and it makes total sense to me that Jesus would have to be the Son of God because people would want love to be like unicorns and rainbows. And so then you just send Jesus in and people go, oh my God, love is hard. Love is sacrifice. You know, love is trouble. Love is rebellious. She went on to say, in all of these faith communities where forgiveness is easy and love is easy, there's just not enough blood on the floor to make sense of that. There's just not enough blood on the floor to make sense of that. And she says, I thought faith would say, I'll take away the pain and discomfort, but what it ended up saying was, I'll sit with you in it. So the question the saints put to us is not, how can we avoid suffering, but rather, how can we choose our suffering in the name of love? Because when we choose how we love, we choose how we will suffer. One of the reasons why I love this cathedral so much is how alive we are with this kind of love, the love that takes on a little bit of suffering. We have, on Wednesdays, we have a small army of people here preparing and serving and cleaning up from a massive community lunch that we put on. It gives me incredible joy to see former executives and lawyers and accountants serving lunch to homeless folks. Every day we see scores of people who could be golfing or fishing or napping on a couch, but who instead are showing up to scour pans and stir pots and tutor refugees and hand out bags of groceries.
This is not easy work. It is not glamorous. Usually their efforts are received gratefully, but every day, you know, there's, there's always someone who rewards their love with snarls and complaints and acting out. They know that just, that just goes with the territory and they accept that challenge with grace. They are the saints in our midst, simple, modest, uncomplaining, joyful, like Miao Shan, only growing more compassionate and merciful as the challenges mount. Finally, through their love, bringing their little moments of paradise into the hell that is poverty in America. For that labor of love, we will always be grateful. So today, on this All Saints Day, we sing their praises and we express our thanks to them and to all of the spiritual midwives in our midst who remind us it's supposed to hurt a little bit. Amen.